Hello. Pleased to welcome you again to Forefront 360, where we take you all around the intersection of the arts and the Christian faith. This is your guide, Rich Chrisman, to the wide, wonderful world of internet radio. I am beyond pleased to introduce to you today our special guest, music artist, designer, hilarious reel maker, one of my personal heroes, Jonathan Ogden. How are you doing, Jonathan? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. It's good to be here. Absolutely. So happy to have you. I've been a fan for years. I was so thrilled to uh, just be able to talk to you and... And we got some good questions coming your way. So uh, today we're going to talk to Jonathan about music. We're going to talk about poetry a little bit, chill hop, maybe culture making God's love of arts and artists, and hopefully a bit about his upcoming album and possibly even some of the side projects, maybe secret side projects even uh, that he's working (laughs) on. So really excited about that. Uh, Before we even start, though, the Forefront 360 tradition has it that Jonathan will enlighten us about himself in the lightning round. This is where we'll ask him a bunch of short questions with short answers to help us get acquainted. Is that okay with you? Oh, yes. I'm up for okay. it. <laughs> Lightning's going to strike. Here we go. All right. What, what's your favorite color? Uh, probably a green, like what I'm wearing right now. <laughs> he is wearing his uh, new green sweatshirt that goes with the upcoming album. So, you know, look into that. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. Uh, what is your favorite film of all time? Oh man, all time is so tough. Uh, Sh- Shrek. <laughs> oh, nice! The first one, the original. The first one, yeah. Okay, has a special place in my heart. <laughs> a great, great film. I know. I know a lot of people. There's a special cult following for Shrek Two, which is why I had. To I know. It. Yeah. Oh, really? Uh, like excellent. So uh, you know, maybe this might be the same answer. My next question for you is: What is the film you have watched the most times? Hmm. I think it's a an anime movie actually. It's called Your Name. Um okay. which I love. That's a contender for favorite film as well, but yeah. Very good. I've seen that is a it, lot of times. Uh, is that a that isn't a Studio Ghibli movie, is it? No, but I do I've seen all of those as well. I love those. Okay. But so beautiful. Yeah, this one Makoto Shinkai is the director, but okay. it's really good. I'll have to look into that. I really I'm assuming it's visually beautiful as well. I'd love to see that. It is. <laughs> Uh, what is, so, uh, Jonathan lives in the UK. What, what is your, what is your favorite thing about living in the UK? Probably the British humor and just like view of life. <laughs> How would you describe the British view of life? Um, I feel like we're very kind of dry humor type people. And people always say that like our favorite things in the UK are, uh, complaining and, standing in queues uh-huh. <laughs> and we're just like i noticed that even when i travel somewhere and you get back to like the part of the airport where people are flying to the uk and you start hearing british voices you can hear like the tone of complaining before you even know <laughs> what the words are it's just like there's just some grumbling people over there but it's kind of in a joking kind of loving way <laughs> which I, just, a, I like <laughs> uh do you do you ever complain about being in a queue you know, just put those two um, things together. Sometimes, yeah, just to live the full British experience. <laughs> love it, love it. Uh, one of our forefront members is in the UK right now, studying at Cambridge, and I'm mm. uh, looking forward to hopefully visiting once uh, travel becomes a little bit less restricted. I'd love to yeah. go over there. But uh, that'd be awesome. So, where in the UK are you? I'm in Manchester, which is kind okay. of pretty much in the middle. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. Americans, we have a perception of what your uh, answer to this would be, but uh, coffee or tea? Mm-hmm. 
They'd be right. It's tea. <laughs> okay. Okay. What's your favorite uh, tea type guy. of tea? Uh, we have a tea here called Yorkshire tea, which is just like the normal, like everyday type. Um, but I do like some of the kind of loose leaf ones. There's like a jasmine tea, which is really nice. Very nice. Um, but yeah, anything. <laughs> I actually have a box. I'm sure it's not the same, but I actually have a box of Yorkshire gold tea bags. Mm, that I nice. Use. Uh, in my, uh, I'm yeah. a teacher, so in my classroom, every time I need a okay. bit. Yeah. I feel like the water affects it, you know, because I brought Yorkshire tea on tour once to America, and it just tasted different with American water. I don't know yeah. why. Yeah, no, I, I believe that. I, I don't know much about water, but I've heard even, I've even heard the difference. Uh, I have a bunch of friends in Canada, and we live, mm. uh, forefront, we're right over the border in New York State, but, you know, an hour and a half uh-huh. from from the border and uh even over in toronto which is very close to us i notice a difference and i don't know what they do to our water over here but (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) who knows yeah um okay would you a rainstorm or a snowstorm you can take that question as you will a rainstorm i think do you find rain comforting or bothersome i like i like rain when you're inside and cozy and warm and you can see rain outside i feel like that's quite relaxing (laughs) very nice uh okay would you rather be lost in the gobi desert or the amazon rainforest oh probably the amazon rainforest just because there's probably more to see at least (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah at least there's some some shade at least yeah um have you have you been to either of those places by any chance I have not, no. Okay. J- but, just didn't know if you had the inside scoop you know, on the Amazon. No. <laughs> I can imagine neither of them are very hospitable, but yeah, exactly. never know. Um, sneakers or dress shoes? Ooh, it would be sneakers. Although trainers, we call them in the UK. Oh, trainers. But, oh, you know. I should have known. Yeah, <laughs> true. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, also, a lot of uh, people call them tennis shoes as well. Have you heard that one? Oh, interesting. Yeah. I have heard of that. I find that funny because to me, a tennis shoe is a very specific type of shoe, you know, not a catch all. But are we all sneaking around in our sneakers? Probably not. Trainers is probably the (laughs) most accurate name. I guess so. (laughs) Just training for life. Right. All right. And, uh, you know, this is a a classic genre of question for us. Uh, (laughs) What what would it cost to get you to fist fight an angry chimpanzee? Name Um... your I'm going to say $5,400. Okay. U.S. dollars. Yeah. Okay. U.S. dollars. That's, yeah. That's, that's a, you know, lower than I thought you'd go. So <laughs> yeah, a, a brave soul. I would, I would give it a go. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Good to hear it. Okay. I feel, I feel loosened up. Um, let's, uh, <laughs> let's dive into the conversation. Listeners, uh, Jonathan is a bit of a triple or, or maybe quadruple or, you know, even more uh, threat. He's a musician, <laughs> a designer, uh, a man of God. Um, if you don't mind, I'm going to start with your bio, um, just for listeners sure. that may not be familiar with you. Fools as they may be, not, not fans of you yet. <laughs> um, from delicate acoustic songs to jazz and hip-hop infused pop, Jonathan crafts musical soundscapes that invite the listener on a journey. With a background in graphic design, he is passionate about exploring the intersection of visual art and music to form a complete experience. Describing his songs as prayers set to music, 
He expresses his faith through psalm-like lyrics and sweeping melodic instrumentation. Following the release of his beat tape, 24, and an acoustic EP, Songs from Home, Jonathan is now releasing singles and working towards his first full-length album, Future Forever. So I've been following you for a few years now. I just uh, mentioned to Jonathan that I listen to uh, 24 on a cassette tape in my car almost every day. So I'm <laughs> uh, excited about that. Um, but would you mind telling our listeners a little bit, you know, beyond that, that bio about kind of who you are and your story as, as an artist? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yes. Yeah, so I'm the youngest in quite a big family. There's seven kids in my family. So I'm oh, number wow. seven. Uh, we're all pretty musical in some way. Um, like my dad used to be a worship leader at the church and, um, also played in like bands growing up and things like that. And I guess probably influenced me with a lot of kind of like folk music and a lot of stuff from the sixties, like beach boys and Everly brothers and Paul Simon and all that stuff. And then one of my other brothers was a worship leader. One of them was a DJ. (laughs) Um, they all kind of played instruments and could sing and stuff. So I just grew up with like a lot of music in the house and a lot of those influences. Um, and a real mixture of genres. So I've appreciated a wide range of music for a long time. And, um, yeah, I grew up as like a pastor's kid. Um, my folks just brought me to church and I suppose I kind of knew a lot about God just from growing up and hearing all the Bible stories and that. And then it probably wasn't until I was about 15 or 16, um, which is when I started to kind of take my faith seriously and say, okay, I want this to be more than just, my parents' faith or like going to church on a Sunday, but um, hearing people talk about the relationship they had with God, I was like, I don't know if I have that or if I just have information. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, that was kind of the time of my life where I really like lent into, okay, I want to take this seriously. And um, I think I became a Christian when I was about four years old (laughs) because I remember praying the prayer of my parents and like asking what it meant and, but then I had that thing of like, every time I would grow up, I think I didn't know what I was praying back then. So I need to do it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I, I think I probably went forward for like 10 different altar calls at like evangelistic events just to make sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And after a while I was like, no, I need to realize I'm a Christian. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I think we all, uh, <laughs> anyone that grew up in an evangelical background for sure. We always had, had that feeling we got to double up just in case the last yeah. one didn't, didn't catch. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of grew up in that environment. And then I guess around that same age of 16, 17 was when I started to get involved in the worship team at my church and um, playing guitar and a few different instruments and then eventually moving into leading worship too. But with leading worship was like the same time that I started writing songs because I would just sit at the piano at home, um, singing through hymns and things in the songbook. But then I just find that like new songs would come out while I was doing that. And I'd kind of go off on new choruses that would come out and try and capture those. And at the same time I was learning about, I guess, electronic music production. And I used to make lots of remixes of songs and stuff like that. And so the only way I knew to record music really was like very electronically. Um, And so I was kind of coming up with these worship choruses sitting in my own home and then recording them in a very electronic way. And, uh, I didn't really know what to do with them. Cause I was like, they don't, they don't sound like Sunday morning songs, <laughs> yeah, yeah. um, but they are still worship for me. And it's like, 
this is my expression of it. It just sounds different. So especially growing up in Manchester, like it's a big music city and we get to, there's just so many like live bands that come through and I'd go and listen to all different types of music and notice the creativity and the diversity of it all. And every band had a different sound. And yeah, I started thinking about, okay, why, why do I limit my understanding of worship to only be a one sound and like what right. I think worship should sound like? Cause I've heard it in church and like, maybe there are, more styles to explore and more ways to express worship than just what I consider to be worship music. Sure. Um, and I guess my whole music making career has just been exploring that question really of like, what can worship sound like? And is it okay to like try new sounds and new genres and <laughs> just yeah. kind of, I don't think I've ever settled with one. I just like too many things. So I feel like each yeah. album, I'm like, okay, what can I try next? <laughs> yeah, but, That's great. I actually first came across you myself and on a uh, like a, a visual piece you had done on Instagram like years ago. Mm. Uh, so where where did kind of the uh, the design or like visual aspect come in? Yeah, um, that was kind of. I guess I never thought music was something you could actually do as a real job. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Uh, design was kind of what I was pursuing career wise, and so I was like. I actually wanted to go into animation because I always loved animated movies and films. And um, that eventually led me through various like college courses and stuff to finding graphic design. And then I just kind of fell in love with design and realizing that you can make things that people use and interact with on a daily basis. And that kind of moment where I looked around and realized everything I'm looking at and interacting with has been made by somebody (laughs) and like, I can actually design this kind of stuff. So yeah, I got really into that. Um, designed little things like my church website and um, a few little logos for friends and stuff like that. And then I ended up getting a job for a Christian missions organization as their in-house graphic designer. Mm-hmm. And the organization used to work with a lot of bands as well. And they would send like mission teams into like schools and prisons and some of the poorest areas in the UK. Um, so I helped kind of creating graphics for them and album art and all that stuff. So I've always loved the two things of like design and music and yeah. expressing music visually and expressing design musically, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah so, no, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I think it is funny that we have uh, kind of historically made such strong boundaries between different forms of creativity, you know, like, Oh, is this mm-hmm. person a visual artist or a musical artist? And, and it's almost confusing yeah. to us sometimes when those lines cross, you know, which is, is <laughs> yeah, a shame definitely. because, you know, we're really just being creative in all the different senses that we have. So, mm. good yep. stuff. You actually made a reel a while back that was actually poking fun at the fact that your music very much like defies those like genres that we kind of like <laughs> the big five yes. or however many that we grew up with. Um, Mm -hmm. would you like, do you enjoy the fact that you like, do you like the fact that it's hard to pin down maybe like genre wise (laughs) what you're creating or, um, I think I like it in the sense of the music I make. I enjoy trying different things. Um, I think the real, I was kind of poking fun at like what to say in that conversation where someone asks what music do you make, which I always still don't know how to answer. I'm like, right which genre do I pick in this answer? <laughs> um, 
but yeah, I think some of my favorite artists have been like that. People that kind of, you don't know what the next album's going to be because it's, yeah. they just try new things all the time. And I never want to make the same thing twice. I think mm-hmm. I just enjoy trying new ideas out. And there are definitely consistent things like, um, pretty much all my music is very chill. It's yeah, strong emphasis on melody usually. And like lyrically, it's going to be about Jesus. So everything around that changes but they're usually the core things good cores for sure the b tape 24 right Mm -hmm. is something that's very um atmospheric right and Mm. i um i end up myself and i don't know if i'm listening to it right i'm air quoting right (laughs) but um but like i think of i often listen to that type of music kind of with a less active posture like kind of just creating Mm. an environment while i'm like working or driving or whatever yeah. is that um something that you like have a heart for is creating something that's kind of like and obviously the the 24 theme right you created something for each hour of the day is yeah, that yeah. something you have a heart for or was that something specific for that kind of tape um i suppose it was kind of a spe- specific for that project um i think a lot of songs work in different ways depending on the context like obviously a worship song in a more traditional sense is like written to be sung corporately and that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. But I think I at least listen to a lot of beat kind of music when I'm doing something else or working or even just like walking around. And I think that's kind of the context I had in mind was like, this is music to listen to traveling or like experiencing a place and a time. And um, like the that score, was the film score for your life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, a, like a life soundtrack. <laughs> um, cool. But yeah, I think I had a lot of fun imagining what it could be like in that setting. <laughs> yeah. Can you can you uh, give away like what is there kind of a uh, any sort of a, like a concept or a concept album kind of approach to future forever? Um, yeah, there's definitely a theme behind it, um, which is it's a very forward looking album. So I think one thing I've been thinking a lot about and reading a lot about is eternity and like not just heaven in itself but then like the kind of final end of the story that we read about of like jesus's return and what that means for like the restoration of all things and the new heaven and the new earth and i just have noticed so much of like how the apostles would talk about that there was like so much a part of their life and their writing and the conversation that they were driven by like this is how we live and how we do things because we know Jesus is coming back and we, you know, this is how we're preparing for it. And it, I feel like in some ways we've kind of relegated that whole subject to like just a topic of theological debate (laughs) rather than what it was actually meant to be, which is like the great conclusion of the whole of human story, you know, like it's supposed to give us hope and be something we dream about and think about. And so I was like, a lot of that theme has just been very like real to me this past year. And um, it was something I wanted to lean into more in my writing and musically. I think there's a couple of songs. Well, there's one song called one day, which I put out already. That's going to be on the yeah. album and it'll be something of like that style, a bit of like slow down that kind of pop electronic something mm-hmm. or other. But I also yeah. have a f- completely acoustic folk song on there. So it'll be a mixture. Cool. <laughs> yeah. I, I loved the uh, um, the uh, songs from home uh, EP mm. that 
like you leaned a little bit more acoustic in in that one. Yes, and uh, that was super cool. And also loved. I don't know if you did it or or not, but the uh, the album art for that with the mm. just the, the photo there and everything. It, it was so like warm yeah. and inviting. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, that was my friend's photo actually. Oh, good. Yeah, I think that um, the idea of us um, like as Christians looking forward not not that there was any point where we shouldn't have been looking forward uh to mm. that restoration but i think now like in in light of things like the pandemic and and other like unrest you know and all this it, there's been a lot of stress and anxiety i think in the world and and particularly in the mm. church over the past couple of years and uh I, i'm assuming you feel similarly that i think that reminding ourselves that the things that are happening in the present are really just like a tiny slice of the, of the whole, Mm -hmm. the whole picture. And there's so much more that we know, like we know the end of the story as Christians, you know, and Mm that's so encouraging and very important in this time. So. A a common theme in your creativity is is the chillness as we talked about. Um, (laughs) Yeah, uh, a, a lot of people that we have interviewed on Four from Three Sixty have have self described themselves as introverted people. Do you? Uh, <laughs> yes. Are you an introverted person? I am. I think the first time I did one of those like online tests, it was pretty much in the middle. I said I was like fifty one percent introvert, <laughs> um, okay. but it has somehow become more over lockdown. I thought I'd become more extroverted, but apparently more so. But yeah, I definitely. I mean, I like social things and being around people, but I definitely yeah. recharge on my own and like need my own space. I uh, I enjoy my own space. Yeah. <laughs> do you create most of your music uh, alone, or or do you do it as part of like a group? How does your recording look? Mm, I've been all over the place with that. So, like, my first few albums were completely me on my own. Um, just with a laptop and a MIDI keyboard in my bedroom and that was it. And then uh, through the band, obviously I was part of a band, Rivers and Robots, and that was like, even the third album was basically a lot of my songs that I demoed and written and then just the band learned to play them. Yeah, right. Reshaped them a little bit. But with each album, I feel like I became less control freak and perfectionist and was like... (laughs) willing to like let things change and um by the last album we did discovery it was like very open i kind of would bring a demo of one idea and then how it ended up on the album would be completely different we just like bring in so many different ideas and change things and even now that i'm doing solo music again i think i have retained that idea that like bringing more people in makes it better usually (laughs) so i have a lot of songs where some of them I do finish on my own, but some I'll just like fire off to friends and be like, here's half a song. I feel like you could finish it really well. Or yeah. I'll just bring in extra parts or ideas. And there's a lot of songs on this album I'm working on now where like I've got them kind of 90% there and then reached out to different producers and musicians and just said like, can you just bring your thing into this song and add something a bit different in there that I wouldn't have thought to put in. And so, yeah, that's been brought a lot of life to the songs. I think when you get more ideas in there. You seem to me to be uh, a sort of, I'm going to title this, right? Like an artist of the internet, right? An internet age <laughs> artist. Um, sure. So so 
first of all, like as a musician, designer, creator, how do you feel about what the internet has brought to that? And also things like Mm. Spotify and, and these platforms that you can share your work on. Yeah. Um, I think like a lot of things I see it as it's a blessing and a curse. It's like, there's, there's a very good side of it, which is, I think it's completely changed the way we can make and release music now. Um, and a lot of, a lot of creative industries have changed because of the internet, but like we can make music in our own rooms. I can basically run my entire career from a laptop. (laughs) I can write songs and make friends with people on the other side of the world. And, and I pretty much learned everything I know how to do musically from YouTube. Like it's kind of, I'm very much thankful for all of those kind of things. Um, and I think it's a great opportunity to actually share the gospel globally and just like get out what you do to people that wouldn't normally hear it. Um, but then I think there's a flip side, which is that I think particularly social media, I think is taking a huge toll on like mental health and Mm -hmm. just culturally, I think it's causing a lot of harm that we're still figuring out. Um, I feel like we kind of ran into it of just like, yeah, this is awesome. Let's all do this. And then now we're yeah. starting to unpack, like, actually, was this a good thing for the world? Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, like I say, I think it's a blessing and a curse. I think yeah. you don't want to throw it all out and be like, I've been tempted to like just throw my phone in a lake and <laughs> become a monk <laughs> somewhere. But right. I'm like, no, there's, there's good in this, but I'm trying to recognize the bad in it too. And the harm that it could do. And, um, ways that we can use it in a balanced way and not be drawn to the addictive side of it or the yeah. the side that I think is very polarizing. I think it makes everything more extreme and more blown up than sure. it needs to be. Um, Definitely. But yeah, I think we're still navigating how to, how to do that. <laughs> yeah. So do you have any kind of regarding social media or just the internet in general, or Mm. uh, do you have any sort of routines or anything that you do to kind of create that balance in your life? Uh, I wish I did. I have, I set like screen time things, you know, the little feature where it's like, remind me to not watch TikTok for an hour, but then it just comes up and you can just press like, okay. And it goes away. So it's just too easy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do. I do take like, long breaks from it sometimes when I just feel like there's too much like attachment to it and I'm just wasting time then I'll like come off social media altogether and kind of like fast it in a sense um but I do try and do simple things like at the moment I'm not using my phone in my room so I like charge it downstairs and then I like read a read an actual book wake up with a normal alarm clock (laughs) Um, yeah because yeah I would just wake up and watch dumb videos for an hour before even getting out of bed oh, yeah. like this this isn't yeah. even good for me <laughs> it's amazing how quickly the uh you know i start watching videos and then i look at the clock and it's been like 40 minutes i, know. <laughs> I can't believe it i know right? i was um my wife and i were cracking up recently i was going through your some of your uh reels just to refresh myself we were cracking up at the uh-huh. one where you um you were like oh i when i pick up a book and read for two minutes or something and then oh, you yeah. have to read two a perfectly uh curated photo of the book and then said yeah. oh, i do that so often i was cracking up so yeah but yeah is that where we can put out our perceived lives sometimes uh oh absolutely don't always match up with reality 
Uh, and then the the feeling of kind of smug satisfaction that like, ah, yes, I read a book for five minutes. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Such an elite human. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and then another, another ritual question or routine question before we move on, uh, to the next kind of mm. section here, the, do you have any, uh, like rituals or routines of creativity? Like if you're, um, are mm. you the type of artist that, uh, is struck by inspiration <clears throat> and, and works for, you know, 10 hours at a time, or are you something that you have like a <laughs> schedule of how you approach creativity? Um, a bit of a mixture. I, mostly it's inspiration though. I think. I like free time. I like looking at my calendar and thinking there's nothing planned today, which means I can make things. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think I have quite a structure of being inspired, if that makes sense. Like I'm quite uh, routined in collecting inspiration. So I spend a lot of time like reading blogs about music, listening to new releases, um, trying to like dissect and understand songs that I like and, uh, you know, reading widely to like draw from lyrical ideas and things like that. So I do a lot of kind of, I always, I think I've said somewhere before, but like I see creativity as like a breathing thing. There's like a breathing in of ideas and inspiration and then a breathing out of creating. And um, I try and just have that balance where I'm like, take a lot of time to ingest ideas and um, help that translate. But the actual moment of like writing a song is very, it just kind of comes at some point. I'm like, okay, I need yeah. to write right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, which awesome. is sometimes like midnight and I'm about to go to sleep. I'm like, oh no, I've got a song idea. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, it happens. The, so you, I, I know this is probably, uh, as you, you described, kind of like Psalm-esque, a lot of your, your work is, but mm. um, the you really do strike me as kind of like a, a contemporary psalmist in the way that mm. your your music uh, I, I'm thinking right now of the, um, the seasonal, uh, EPs that you mm. put out, you know, the, it really does, uh, I, I guess the theme of time is what I'm thinking of, like, uh, seasonal mm-hmm. EPs and 24 and, and the future and this kind of theme is, uh, it mm. just, it, it very, when I am listening to your music, it really feels to me like I'm getting kind of a window into just your, rhythms interacting with god and the world Mm. and um is that like is that how you kind of see it as well yeah i guess so um i hadn't really linked the time thing but that's definitely a thing um oh you heard it here folks uh, yeah there we go (laughs) i think the um i just really connect with the psalms and like that kind of language and the way that like the psalms help give me language to things I want to say to God that I didn't know how to say. And like, yeah. they're so connected with what's going on in, I mean, a lot of them are written by David. So I guess a lot of what's happening yeah. in David's life, it's like he's writing from very personal experience and very real about what he's feeling and going through, but at the same time singing like truth and reminding himself who God yeah. is. And, and there's like prophetic stuff in there too. And just, I think that is how I try and write is like, I want to write truth of who God is and, um, how I relate to him and the things that I want to say to him, but also connected to personal experience that it's not just his information about (laughs) who God is, but you know, things that I want to say in prayers and things I want to express that I hope will help give language to someone else and what they want to say to God as well. But, um, and I guess a lot of it is just Psalms paraphrased too. So, (laughs) 
Well, I feel like it's working. So, <laughs> but um, okay. well, actually, that's the perfect transition into kind of what I want to talk about next, which is the mm. kind of relationship between faith and and art or creativity. Mm. So it, you've kind of spoken to it already, but we we often ask this question, like what. Uh, what is your kind of theology of art? But to re mm-hmm. rephrase that, right? How, how does your faith in Christ uh, inform your work as a creator? Mm. I think it's it's kind of everything. I think it's like I see creativity itself as a gift from God. Like I don't think any of us would be able to do it without Him giving us that gift. And I think it's part of what it means to be made in God's image. Is it? like describes in Genesis that I think the thing that sets humans apart from all other creatures and other things is like the creativity aspect that um, we have this like deep internal thing. That's like a desire to create something beautiful and appreciate beautiful things. And um, I don't see many other animals just like painting something just for the sake of beauty (laughs) or like, you know, it's usually functional or, survival instinct type stuff but yeah i think that's one of my favorite things about even just the world that's around us is like god's made it so extravagantly beautiful and i think when we experience that and we see something of it it connects us to something of who he is and what he's like and so um for me like creativity itself is tapping into that it's like being able to make something of beauty and that expresses something beautiful is like an act of worship and a divine thing in itself. Um, even if we're not singing about Jesus every time, like just the, right. the actual thing of crafting melodies and music and design right. and video and all of that stuff. Like, yeah. I think it, that is very much like, yeah, I feel God's pleasure in that, I guess, of mm-hmm. stepping into creativity. But yeah, for me, it's like, I see my role kind of as a messenger, um, that I want to just express who God is and um, kind of invite people to come and see Jesus and what he's like and how I've related to him in my life. And um, I find it very hard to write about anything else really, because <laughs> it's definitely like the most important thing for me and uh, the biggest part of my life. So it's, yeah, it's very much linked. So you grew up in the church, like you said. Um, what what kind of church were you kind of brought up in, like denominationally? or? Um, I didn't know for a very long time because <laughs> I grew up in a very small church. It's like, uh, I guess there were about 80 people there when I was growing up. And um, it's grown and shrunk over years. But uh, yeah, I just it was like my family's church and my dad was the leader and we weren't really tied to one denomination so i didn't know anything about it so it was more when i joined like a missions organization i spoke about that i started to meet all these other christians from different denominations and i was like oh i wonder what we are so i think it's generally uh, you know categorize ourselves right i know right right. it used to be a brethren church which is like a very traditional one here in the uk um and then it changed and became like more charismatic as well. But it's like, it was just kind of everything mixed together. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty standard evangelical church, I guess. But. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> the one 
So the relationship between arts and the church, especially mm. I think outside of the uh, like Roman Catholic or Orthodox, like over on the evangelical and Protestant side has um, been kind of strained, especially in the past 50 years or so um, mm-hmm. I would say. So it, do you feel that in your, and, and you've all, you have spoken to this uh, to some degree too, but the, do you think your relationship to the church, I guess, capital C, like, you know, organized mm-hmm. Christianity, uh, do you feel that yeah. that has supported you as a creative or has that put up some roadblocks for you along the way? Mm. I think um, there's been a lot of support in general, at least from what I've experienced, just like, you know, people enjoy what I do and, you know, are behind it. But I think for the most part, there's just a, a not a lot of teaching or understanding on like the value of the arts in church and how it can be a part of like the body of Christ. And I think it's, we're just limited in our understanding of it at the moment. I think we kind of, at least from what I experienced, it was like, if you are a musician, then you join the worship team or if you're a designer, you can make the church flyer and, you know, <laughs> it was yeah. everything related to kind of everything Sunday has morning. To be practical. Yes. In some way. Um, right. Yeah. But I think, and sometimes the skepticism with it as well, when it's something that's outside of just the church kind of services. But um, I think there's more openness now for it to be like embraced as a gift to the church and like that it can be used for a much wider thing. Um, yeah. And, you know, through history, there have been times where it, like you want to see the best art, you would go to a church, <laughs> like oh, yeah. the great classical pieces and all that stuff, you know, but um yeah, I think there's, I guess, an understandable skepticism with it sometimes, but I think we're kind of coming back around now to a appreciation of the arts again. So. Cool. Yeah, I think uh, remind or remembering that, uh, like Jesus is the Lord of all things, right? He's the mm-hmm. Lord of of heaven and of earth, and you know everything within the earth. And I think that sometimes mm-hmm. when we, as as Christians kind of limit our practice. I mean, like, you know, spreading the gospel uh, and, and having Sunday morning service and all this is, you know, great and recommended and people should, yeah. should do those things. But I think when we, <laughs> when we limit, when we limit the Christian experience to like just the, you know, the practicalness of, of, you know, having church and using whatever gifts we have directly to, you know, share the gospel in kind of a boxed way. I think that yeah. the, I, I have always wondered if Jesus is kind of up there like, hey, guys, remember, look at all these things that uh, I <laughs> uh-huh. made for you, you know. Uh, yeah, that's great. So so what would you say then that uh, what do you think a healthy kind of position for arts? Or what is a healthy position for the arts rather in the spiritual mm-hmm. life of a, a church like a lowercase mm-hmm. c church or the church? Yeah. Yeah, I think um... – I've been studying a lot around like the biblical examples of like where artists and creative things show up in scripture. It's very interesting, but I know the earliest example um, is a guy called Bezalel and Oh, Holy Ab, I think the other guy's called, but um, basically they were like skilled craftsmen that would make things for the temple and like the meeting place where people would come and worship and um, everything from like the robes and the, even like the fragrances in there, like the way the room looks, like the sounds, all that stuff. Um, I see it as like 
they were brought in to make things skillfully and beautifully um but it was to aid in worship and it was to create a place where people would meet with god and i think that's one of the main uh purposes of the arts i think in church life is like artists can really bring in things that can aid us in worship and actually help us meet with god in just new interesting ways and um yeah it doesn't have to be that it's distracting and you know (laughs) we don't have to like simplify everything down it can the beauty of it can help us see more of who god is and what he's like and i think yeah there's a lot of space for that and an interesting response to the kind of like more like puritanical um very like stripped Mm. down uh christian worship experience i think is the fact that when you do look at uh even like old testament temple worship and you know things like that Mm -hmm. uh there when you look at it there really is a um there's a clear attempt to connect with all of the five senses you know like there's Mm -hmm. things that are visually beautiful there's sound with the incense like you said the smell Mm -hmm. you know and i i think it's so interesting because the like i said before like god gave us these senses for more Mm -hmm. than just to keep us from tripping on a rock and hurting ourselves you know, that's <laughs> right. beneficial but uh you know he he loves beauty so what would you say to artists out there that are listening who are struggling with a dissonance that they feel between the creativity that they feel kind of coming out of them I, they want to produce art mm-hmm. um you know sometimes we have a dissonance between that desire and the desire to like practically serve god mm. in the kingdom like what would you what would be your advice to those people yeah i think um a lot of it is like perspective and how we see things um i think a lot of us if we're honest with ourselves probably somewhere deep down we'd see that christian art isn't real art <laughs> i feel like <laughs> there's a this kind of thing where like a lot of christians grow up in church and like use their art in that way and then it's almost seen as like okay if I get to a certain level, now I want to be like a real artist, which means and I can I be, a re- be accepted yeah, exactly. in mainstream or whatever. Um, yeah. Which kind of like says we've kind of, yeah, we don't see the full value of how it can be used in the kingdom. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And I think we need the kind of eternal perspective on that, like to realize that it's actually a lot bigger than what we think is going on. Like when we sing a song in church or we worship in him and like, with our music and that kind of thing. It's so much bigger than anything we can do on any other stage. Like you won't have a bigger audience or a bigger stage than singing before God. Like (laughs) um, that's the best place you can get to as a musician or artist. So I think when you kind of get that understanding kind of more aligned, then it's like now there's, it's not being held back to like create something for God. It's actually the highest position you could be in um and like i think it's just that we've boxed in the creativity aspect of it and so we feel like oh church music has to sound like this and i want to do more than that so i have to break out of church music where we could actually push things forward and say let's like see it get to a point where the best music is coming from the church because we fully understand creativity and we know what it means to like use musical gifts <laughs> um yeah that's yeah. beautiful i've not i've never thought of it that way the, the fact that yeah that's very well said
So let's talk about some of the, the, the other projects. I don't know if we want to call them side projects because it makes them sound small, <laughs> but, but the other projects that you're doing. So mm-hmm. I, uh, tell us a little bit about Magnify Studio. Mm. So Magnify Studio is a project I run with my friend, Philip Shibata, who's another artist you should all check out. Um, okay. And we basically are setting up a, a team to equip and teach Christian creatives. So it's kind of all about what I've been speaking about before, but I just love exploring that space where like faith and art come together and how we can like explore that and unpack the role of it in church and all of that stuff. So um, a lot of it is doing things like workshops. We have some online courses we started to put out. I just did one on songwriting um, and we've got a lot more planned this year, but we also want to do some in-person stuff. So just gathering creatives together and having these kind of discussions on, you know, how we could use art and creativity in church. So it's kind of just our project where we explore that topic and make a lot of content around it. And hopefully things that are helpful for Christian artists out there. So. Yeah. Love to hear it because uh, that's what we do at Forefront Festival as well, but in a different way, not so yeah. much the the classes element, but we like the goal is to, especially of the in-person festivals, right. Is to just mm. uh, bring different types of creatives at all different levels uh together to just kind of facilitate those con those conversations and friendships and stuff. Mm. And we've seen, uh, we've been so pleasantly surprised, uh, over the past few years, forefront started in 2015, like just Mm. the amount of in, in our experience, I, I think sometimes Christian artists maybe don't even realize how, um, kind of starved we are for the conversation with other creatives that have the same kind of, uh, inspiration or like where that that flow is coming from and then I feel mm. like once we meet each other there's there's so much to give I guess like like I yeah if I I'm not, I'm not a songwriter by any stretch but if I wanted to become one I would uh you know it would be such a blessing to you know start learning it from someone like yourself you know mm. and I, I just think that's super cool so how could people get listeners get involved in magnify studio so easiest thing is probably go to the website, which is literally just magnify.studio. That's it. Um, okay. And yeah, like there's a lot of videos on our YouTube channel as well, which might be helpful. And then courses and that kind of thing. We have a mailing list so you can keep up to date with new stuff we come out with. But Definitely. yeah. And listeners will put uh, links to these things that we're talking about right in the uh, description on the episode. So you can go check in Spotify or Apple or wherever you're listening for those links directly. Also, so you have a another side project. Uh, I think I'm pronouncing it right. Sencha. Yes, that is, is correct. correct. Is that <laughs> isn't that the word for green tea? In, it is. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So it's like so, so. I think it does literally translate to green tea, but it's also like a type of green tea. But cool, yes. cool. <laughs> so what? What's so? Why a musical side project under the <laughs> moniker? Yeah, I. I think I just have a problem with starting too many side things. <laughs> um, but the main thing, it was like, I wanted to make more beats and instrumental stuff. And I remember I could just release it all under my name, but I remember having this moment where I was listening to like a Spotify, like radio playlist, whatever they call it, where you, it yeah. kind of generates things. And it was, um, I don't remember the artist that it came from, but it was all these like really cool worship songs and, playing a lot of indie worship type stuff. And yeah. I remember hearing like 
some pretty mainstream worship, a lot of like more indie stuff too. And then suddenly like one of my beat tape tracks was in the middle of it. And it felt so jarring to be like, <laughs> go straight from a worship song to just like instrumental beat. Uh, right, right. And I was just like, okay, maybe putting some of this under a different name would help it like just go to the right places in terms of playlists. Right, and that right. Kind of stuff. Um, and also just because it was more unknown, it meant I could just try things out. And it was like, yeah, I quite regularly just make beats and they're not meant to be like full songs or bigger things. Sure. But I just wanted a place to kind of put those out. So yeah, I've just got yeah, a few beats there at the moment. But... Yeah. So what, what do you mean by, uh, so in the description of that, um, mm-hmm. and it's actually funny, just like you said, I think I came across this, um, some of these tracks in, you know, a, a music generator like Spotify or something. Mm. And then I remember looking into the, like being like, oh, this is good. Like, what's this? And looking into the, the information and being like, oh, this is John the Nogden. Good stuff. <laughs> but, um, yeah. but in the description, you describe it as three dimensional music. What do you mean by that? <laughs> it's a good question. I had, uh, <laughs> there's a friend well, of mine. It sounds very alluring. Like, very cool. It does, doesn't it? There's a friend of mine who's like a, a writer and content thing and he like wrote my bio for censure and made it sound oh, way cooler than i could but uh i think it was kind of getting across this idea that i just like music to be immersive i like it to be something that is you feel like you're kind of in it and living in it and so similar with 24 like i want it to be that kind of music that's like a soundtrack to my life this is stuff that i have on while i'm like in a moment and experiencing things and and also would love to explore the visual side of it again with music and like think about how that can be translated into a live experience and all that stuff. So I just always like that kind of depth in music. It's more than a song for me, I guess. We don't have too much time together, but I do have some listener questions that came in. So some of our listeners want to ask you some things. So Zach sends in the question, what are three of your favorite albums from when you were growing up? Mm. Oh, good question. Okay. There is, I'll give you a mixture. So, uh, there's an album called yellow house by a band called grizzly bear. Um, very like experimental folk kind of thing, but, I don't know. The whole album just flows in a really cool way. And they recorded it in this big yellow house, apparently. And it's very like spacious and everything just sounds like you're sat in the corner of a room and you can hear all these instruments around you, but it's really dreamlike and weird at the same time. So it's normally like kind of, it's three dimensional. It's the kind (laughs) of album I listen to on flights and I'm like, yeah, it's just really cool. Um, Yeah. Then, very different type of album, but I would say Matt Redman's Face Down was like one of the okay. first worship albums I ever got into. Um, and I've just always loved Matt Redman's writing in terms of like the scriptural lyrics and like so singable, but really musical as well. <laughs> um, and yeah, I remember before I knew a lot of Bible verses. I would start reading the Bible and be like, oh, that's that Matt Ripon song. Because <laughs> I like, yeah. knew that he'd taken so many things from there. Um, and then a third one, I'm trying to think of a different category of music altogether now. Actually, let's go with John Jin Han. He's been like a good friend of mine and just a great 
like indie Christian artist, uh, and he did an album called Youth, and it's like just a real nice intersection of stuff. Like there's some worship songs on there, there's songs that just explore like growing up and relationships and all that stuff. So it's quite a wide variety, but it's very like indie, very cool, lots of summery awesome. guitars. But yeah, I love that album. <laughs> okay. I'm harding these albums right now on my Spotify so I can find them. <laughs> okay. Awesome. It's funny. I, I didn't, uh, I listened to Grizzly Bear uh, mm-hmm. a lot like a couple years ago and never came across Yellow House. So got to get there. <laughs> yeah. It's one of the oldies. So um, another listener submitted this question. What is one tool, uh, whether it's a physical device or an app that you use in music production, which uh, maybe people might not have heard of, but that you couldn't do your music production without it. Mm. What What's an important device or question. app? I think, I don't know if this counts as a device or whatever, but there's a, um, there's a tool within Ableton, which is the software I use, that is like a sample chopper upper. That's not what it's called, but I can't remember. It's like, <laughs> you can essentially drop a sample into it of any music and then it like cuts it up into slices that you can kind of play on a piano or the drum machine or whatever. Um, yeah. But quite a few of my songs have been made that way where I find a piece of music that I like something about the texture or the sound of it, throw it into Ableton and then completely change the pitch and the key and everything and play it. Cool. Kind of almost like a new instrument, but yeah, you get unexpected things from that sometimes. That's awesome. Uh, I get another question. I just thought of really fast. Are you like when you are kind of just sitting uh, and kind of experimenting or playing around with music, do you Mm -hmm. go more toward like a keyboard or a guitar? Like what's kind of like your Uh, instrument of like, it changes all the time. Honestly, I think depending on what you're doing, yeah, a lot of songs I start on piano. Um, some more recently been guitar a lot, just especially songs from home because I was just sat in my room with an acoustic guitar, kind of jamming out songs at home. Yeah, um, at home. And then yeah. recently, it's been just like a keyboard and mouse because I've been. Uh, yeah, my like upstairs room is freezing cold, so I moved downstairs with just my laptop and didn't bring all my instruments with me, and so. Sometimes I just open up the laptop and try and make something just with like the trackpad and like <laughs> see what I can come yeah. up with. Um, so yeah, yeah, it changes. Cool. So I got one more for you. Um, Abby of the local hangups has asked the question, uh, what is something that you think is imperative for Christian creatives who want to robustly represent their faith in their work? Mm, good question. I would say never neglecting, the kind of secret place or like your quiet time or whatever you call that. But like just that time spent with you and God and like, whether that's prayer or reading the Bible, worshiping, like it's so easy when you create stuff and things pick up to get busier with like the ministry aspect or the, that kind of side of the work of it without keeping the main thing of like actually spending time with God and the reason why you do it. And I've definitely experienced that where like I almost became so busy doing the work of ministry that I forgot like the point of ministry. (laughs) Um, So I'd say protecting that space, like it's a real appointment you've got to keep. is very important. (laughs) Awesome. Well, we're just about at time. Thank you so much for talking with us on this, this winter evening. Yeah. 
Um, so listeners, you can connect with Jonathan Ogden if you haven't already uh, on Instagram at Jonathan Ogden, O-G-D-E-N, music, right? Uh, is there anyone anywhere else that you would like listeners to connect with you, find you? Um, I guess social media is probably the best place. And then I have a website, which is just jonathanogden.co.uk. But... Definitely look for Jonathan's upcoming music, singles, album coming out on Spotify and Apple Music, correct? Excellent. <laughs> all the digital stores. Uh, all, yeah, wherever music is heard. <laughs> and vinyl, hopefully. That's oh, excellent. Are you going to do a tape again? A <laughs> uh, cassette tape? I don't know. Maybe. We'll I see, like we'll that, see. personally. <laughs> okay, very nice. Okay, and as always, you can connect with us at Forefront Festival by, of course, subscribing to Forefront 360, this podcast, and following Forefront Festival on Facebook or Instagram at Forefront Fest, F-E-S-T, uh, on Twitter and Instagram as well. As always, listeners, keep striving for excellent art and authentic faith. Until next time.